everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, it winds from Genesis to today. More than four thousand years all the way. George John Gibbs, all route 66. Hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas. As we're finally entering the New Testament this week, we'll be starting off in the book of Zechariah, chapter 8, finishing that, going through the entire book of Malachi. That will complete not only our journey through the minor prophets, but also the entire Old Testament. And then we'll be getting started in the book of Matthew. And we'll go all the way through Matthew chapter 12. Let's start off by offering a few comments to wrap up the Old Testament. We said last week that the last three minor prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, were all three post-exilic prophets. And that means that they were ministering in Jerusalem and Judah after the exiles returned from Babylon. So as you're reading through the end of Zechariah and the book of Malachi, Take note of places where you see hope. You see a glimmer of hope for the future. You see a promised Messiah, a promised King, the return of God. These are all glimmers and foreshadowing of the ministry of Jesus that would come when we get to the New Testament. When we get to the book of Matthew, a few hundred years have passed since the close of the Old Testament. And these are called the years of silence. In other words, there was no prophet actively working in Israel in this time. He wasn't receiving oracles from the Lord to pronounce to the people. The people had the established word of God, and then they were grappling with that. You know, how do we make sense of these prophecies of a hope that which was to come, of, of this promised Messiah, of, of this descendant of David who would sit on the throne forever? And so there was, a, there was a sense of expectancy among them, but they just didn't know how God was going to work out and when this promised one would come. So when we open the book of Matthew, we need to remember that several hundred years have passed and also no longer are the Jews under the reign of King Cyrus the Great or, or the Medo-Persian Empire. Now we open up to a whole different situation where the Romans are occupying the promised land and the Jews are living under Roman occupation. So a lot's happened historically as well. Now, when we open the first chapter of Matthew, we're met right away with a genealogy. And for me, this is the point that we have been waiting all year to get to. This is unwrapping the present on Christmas Day. This is the Christmas story, is this genealogy. If you miss the significance of the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, you're going to basically miss the whole connection, the, the link in the chain that's critical to hooking together the Old Testament with the New Testament. Because here it's establishing Jesus's 
pedigree? Why is he qualified to be the Messiah? Well, we first must establish that he is a descendant of the right people. And the right people are the descendants of David because God had made this promise so long ago, back in the book of Samuel, to David that he would have a descendant on the throne forever. And in order to set the stage for Jesus to be that person, we have to establish solidly his connection to King David. And so that's what this genealogy is about. We also have to establish that he was Jewish. And so he comes from Abraham. And that's why the genealogy begins with Abraham and not Adam. Jesus is a Messiah for the Jews. He's coming to the Jews. He's from the Jews. So when we look, for example, in a few weeks at the genealogy of Luke, we're going to notice a big difference. He starts with Adam. And that's to show a different purpose, that Jesus was the man who represented all humanity, Jews and Gentiles. But for this genealogy in the book of Matthew, Matthew wants to establish that Jesus is a Jew a descendant of Abraham, and that he is a descendant of David. This is the centerpiece of the whole biblical story that we have been talking about ever since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The fruit is borne out right here that that one that was promised to crush the head of the serpent has finally arrived. One of the things I love about the genealogy in the book of Matthew as well is the allusions to the inclusiveness that Jesus will have in his ministry, specifically the mission to the Gentiles and to women. Four women are included in Jesus' genealogy, and at least two of them, possibly three of them, were Gentiles. This sets the stage and exhibits the clear concern that God has for the Gentiles. Now, the book of Matthew is written to the early Jewish Christians. And so as you move through the book of Matthew, you're going to want to take notice of those places where Matthew takes great steps to show how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. You'll see the words like, as it was written, and then there'll be a quotation from the Old Testament. And Matthew is quoting what's called the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. So if you look back in your English translation, you'll notice that maybe the words are a little bit different, but that's why. It's because Matthew's quoting a translation. So when you see Matthew say the words, as it was written, he's making a very intentional effort to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy, but also the aspects of his life are reenacting the history of Israel. If you think about even just the birth narrative story uh, about Jesus, his parents flee to Egypt to escape Herod. This is a reenactment of the Jews going down to Egypt for a period of time. But in this case, Jesus goes down there to hide from Herod, who is playing the role of the seed of the serpent that's, that's chasing after the seed of the woman. Herod is representing the enemy or Satan, the serpent of old, and he's going after Mary and Joseph and Jesus, the, the precious offspring, and he wants to eradicate Jesus. And obviously, in Satan's plan is, 
I can't have this this potential Messiah running around. I've got to get rid of him. And so they it's almost a reverse exodus where Jesus and his family flee to Egypt to escape the tyrannical Pharaoh character in Herod who's trying to slaughter all the babies. Then later in the book of Matthew, you also read this week where Jesus is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Again, this is kind of a a symbolic reenactment of the children of Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years and they're being tempted in the desert. But when Jesus is tempted, he doesn't sin. So unlike Israel, Jesus is perfect. He is establishing himself as the perfect representative for the people. And eventually he'll make his way to the cross as the perfect sacrifice. Matthew also presents Jesus as the perfect and true interpreter of the law. And so he sets up Jesus often against the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law to show who is the real and true interpreter of the law. Who really understands what the law is all about? And Jesus's law is that of mercy and grace. And you'll be reading about much of that this week in the Sermon on the Mount and, and what the kingdom of God is like, how Jesus wants his kingdom to be and how he wants his kingdom people to be. Jesus also says in the Sermon on the Mount that he did not come to abolish the law, but he is there to fulfill the law perfectly to show us the intention and the spirit behind the law that the God gave Moses and and the Israelites and he's perfectly living it out right before their eyes at the same time however Matthew also shows concern about how believers within the community are expected to live and that they are expected to live obediently so even though Jesus's law is mercy and grace there's also a high expectation of obedience mercy and grace don't lead to negligence and laziness when it comes to obeying the moral implications of the law rather there is an expectation of obedience and again you'll be reading through all of those themes this week on the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 to 7 One more thing to look for as you're going through the Gospel of Matthew. Even though Matthew was written to Jewish Christians, look for those little hints, the little foreshadowings that Jesus' kingdom is about to expand to the Gentiles, that he is reaching out to the Gentiles at strategic moments in his ministry. He's also reaching out to the poor, the destitute, the dirty, the ceremonially unclean, those who would have been excluded by the law, Jesus extends love and mercy to. Look for those moments because when we get to the book of Acts, the whole thing is going to explode and we're going to understand what it's all about. But there's those little glimmers, those, those glimpses of foreshadowing into what will happen in the book of Acts. So look for those along the way in the book of Matthew this week. While we're well on our way into the New Testament, I'm looking forward to our adventure together because now everything that we've done in the Old Testament is really going to begin to pay off. You have done the hard labor, the heavy lifting to get us to this point so that you can understand the story, the grand narrative behind the whole thing. And my hope is that when you get to Matthew chapter 1 this week, all those puzzle pieces are going to begin to fit together and you're going to see how the entire story of the Old Testament 
is wrapped up in that genealogy and that genealogy will begin to take shape and take life and that you will understand it's not just a a boring part of scripture it is a meaningful part of scripture and it is the again it is like the chain holding the whole thing together it is the story of god's grace and mercy to his people in a nutshell right there well, I'll look forward to continuing our adventure through Matthew next week. It's a great book. It's probably my favorite gospel. So we'll have a good time talking about more of the themes and, and events that happen in the life and ministry of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. God bless. Yeah.